Hey everyone, Ben here with a quick interruption before we get into today's episode to let you know that we have been nominated for a Sports Podcast Award. Yippee! That is very, very exciting. We are actually incredibly honoured and excited to have that nominee. And you, the listener, yes, the very person that is listening to this right now can help us win a Sports Podcast Award and get us on the podium for once rather than always being off the podium. To do so, head to sportspodcastawards.com. Dot com register to vote click on the best olympic and paralympic podcast category where you can then vote for us to win now you will have to listen to the other nominees as well but let's be honest you know you're going to vote for us because you're listening to our show today which means we know you like us and we'd very much appreciate the vote in advance sportspodcastawards.com that's how you do it and we thank you in advance and everybody who votes for us we promise to thank you in our acceptance speech should we win. Right now, I'm going to shut up, play some music, and then you're going to hear me talk again as we get into today's episode of Off the Podium. Enjoy. They're standing and they're applauding that dramatic performance by James Orville and Christopher Dean. Alex Philodeau. It takes a lot to make him happy and he is clearly pleased. She's up, she's moving nicely. She's got it. Yes! Sally Stegel, 132.67 has won at least the medal. She's 0.24 up. You beauty! On the ice with the Gimlet. The Gimlet scoping! These gold of games have their crowning moments. It is off the podium and Olympics podcast coming to you today for another athlete interview as we get so close to the Beijing Olympics. You can sniff them. You can smell the snow. You can get excited about the bird's nest about to have another opening ceremony. Everything is getting an Olympian fan's blood pumping right now. And you're going to get even more pumped up today as we interview 2018 Olympian Harry Laidlaw, Australian Alpine skier on the cusp of a potential second appearance at the Beijing Olympics. And we learn a lot about his career, how he got into the sport, his experiences going up the ranks through the different circuits, becoming uh, an Olympian from Australia in the sport of alpine skiing, a sport which we've got more of a history on, of course, than uh, many people realize when it comes to the Olympics, a sport we have won a medal at at the Olympics, just reminding people, the great Zali Stegel, of course, winning in Nagano, and challenges as well that he's had to overcome in order to make it to the Olympics. It's a fascinating chat here with Harry. You're going to learn a lot, as you always do in these interviews, so sit back relax and listen to our chat with Australian Olympic alpine skier Harry Laidlaw. Thrilled today to be able to return to the great sport of alpine skiing to learn a little bit more about an Australian Olympian competed at the 2018 Pyeongchang Olympics and is hoping to return to the Olympics uh, very soon for the Beijing 2022 Olympic Games. It's a pleasure to welcome to Off the Podium, Harry Laidlaw. Harry, first of all, pleasure to have you here on the show. Thank you for joining me on Off the Podium today. Yeah, no stress. Thanks for having me. It's, it's exciting. I love alpine skiing, and it's a, it's a sport that we haven't talked about enough on this show. We had Zali Stegel on many years ago. I spoke to Greta Small 
recently and and to kind of now tick this off our first ever male alpine skier then that kind of uh you know ticks that off the list there but it's a great sport harry i feel like we need to catch up here what's going on why haven't we been doing this blame me for something here harry (laughs) guilty (laughs) yeah get us get more of us on more of you needs needs to happen more and that sort of stuff but I always like to kind of start off any of these interviews and obviously finding out how you get involved in the sport. Uh, so obvious question, how, how did you get involved in alpine skiing, Harry? Um, so my mum was a ski instructor. My dad was also a pretty keen skier. Um, and they actually, when they were younger, they both they met each other in Austria um, while they were both just sort of travelling around, sort of ski, ski bumming around. And then um, you have two older brothers. One was a skier and the middle was a snowboarder. Um, and then, yeah, just when we were younger, we sort of grew up with it because um, mum and dad were pretty keen on it. We, you know, started when I was two and then, um, you know, I had two older brothers, so I was sort of trying to keep up with them. And then, yeah, sort of all kicked off from there. Rest is history, basically. So was it always alpine skiing? I mean, were there kind of other disciplines? Did you look at things like freestyle skiing or sort of Nordic skiing, anything along those lines? Um, Yeah, for sure. Because my oldest brother, he ski raced, and my middle brother was a slope-style snowboarder. So, um, yeah, I sort of did both growing up, like probably more so – uh, yeah, it was more like a, a pretty much split. Like I, I wanted to be like a slope style skier, but I also did ski racing. Um, and then I did that probably up till I was 14. Um, and then I, yeah, my brother started competing overseas and sort of taking it pretty seriously. And then I sort of followed his footsteps. Um, and plus like I was getting, every time I got hurt, it was always because I was, when I was skiing um, in the park or slope style, you know, so I was maybe a smarter decision. <laughs> Got to switch focus on that way. Were you doing other outside of sort of skiing sports? Were you involved in any other sports growing up, like typical kid playing, you know, 101 different sports? Yeah, I mean, we we're pretty like sporty family. We did everything. Um, yeah, I was, I played footy, like AFL a lot. Um, and usually I would, I would like split the season, like do half the, half the season back home. Um, and then I would, I would go up to the mountains and miss the next half. And then maybe if we made, if my like home team made finals or something, I would nick down for them. Um, but yeah, yeah, I was, but then, yeah, it was the same thing. Like I stopped pretty young because I was always, you know, um, almost too scared to get hurt, you know? So skiing was, yeah, always the main focus. So that was sort of, was that more of a case of you enjoyed it more? Did you kind of look at something like an Olympics would be better to go to than maybe, you know, making it to the AFL, kind of that sort of that balance? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think, yeah, I, I think as well, like my, my brother was a big influence because he was doing it and I sort of wanted to do what he was doing, you know. Um, I'm sure if he went the other way, I would have probably done the same thing um yeah i think like when you're when you're so young you're so influential by your family um and yeah i yeah also i enjoyed it probably just as much on both sides um 
But yeah, I guess that's just the way I went. Got to ask. I always like to ask this question whenever we mention AFL at all. I mean, I mean, who's your who's your team, Harry? Like, I've got to I've got to get um, this. To, I'm a Bombers know. Bombers fan. Ouch! That's all right. It. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Uh, <laughs> you can see over my shoulder who I potentially are uh, support, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know we're meant to hate each other, right? You could have said Collingwood could have been worse. So yeah, you know, yeah. We kind of got got on got on that page. Is that is that a, like one of those sort of family ones where like everybody else in the family goes to them, or did you make that decision growing up? Nah, not at all. Like it's pretty funny. Like my dad goes to Melbourne, um, my brother wow. goes to Richmond, my other brother goes to West Coast. Um, jeez, that's got to hurt with my- the recent success of all of them. Like, jeez, they're all bragging to you a little bit. <laughs> yeah. That's- brutal um but now like my mum goes for bombers but yeah like i think matthew lloyd came to my uh kinder one day and i was like all right i'm a, i'm a bombs fan now yeah that'll do it that'll do it yeah you know he, yeah. he's he's a good bomber i can tolerate matthew i think everybody likes lloydy <laughs> so you know kind of he's he's one that you kind of like that but did you sort of watch sort of growing up sort of with the skiing would a winter olympics come around and sort of you know get glued to the screen and was that something that you would watch thinking that this is something that i realistically could achieve maybe one day um honestly not really like i never i, ne- I didn't watch so much ski racing like I'm I'm more watched uh, like slope style skiing and I would watch X games and stuff like that. And I was sort of like, yeah, I want to, I want to be at the X games. Um, Yeah. I guess like as I got older and like ski racing was more the focus. um, And, you know, like my brother, he was trying to go to the games. I was like, all right, this is, yeah, this is definitely something I want to do. And I want to go and um, Yeah. I always find it interesting sort of with Alpine that you can kind of relate it a little bit maybe to say a sport like swimming where, you know, it's making a decision to maybe focus on, say, the slalom more so than the downhill or, you know, the super G more so than kind of that side of things. I mean, do you, did you have a preference sort of growing up? Was it something that you changed along the way? I mean, kind of how did you work through the different, I guess, disciplines that you have with ski racing and Alpine? Um, Yeah, I mean, I was always like probably a better giant slalom skier um and yeah because of like the access we have to um skiing in australia like super g and downhill is pretty difficult um like i mean you see someone like greta who is doing downhill and super g and it's pretty impressive because like it's just the resources we get compared to like you know an austrian kid growing up or a swiss kid is so crazily different you know um like there's just you can't really train it or you know train it all in australia so it's it's something you sort of start doing later in your career um but yeah for me it was like i was always probably giant slime was probably my best discipline and then um as I got older, I sort of, yeah, sort of thought like might as well just sort of focus all my energy on into one discipline. And, um, yeah, I mean, we ski other disciplines here and there, but yeah, the main focus is giant slalom. Which is that a common thing amongst ski races that you can just really focus on one? Because it does seem to be that sort of one you know, maybe outside of say short track, but potentially the, an event where you know, winter limits, you can do cross disciplines and a lot of people seem to do that. But I mean, is that a, a thing that maybe a country, as you're saying from Australia, where maybe it is more of a, let's just focus on one rather than an Austrian who was maybe doing sort of all the events, so to speak. Yeah. 
I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's hard to, I mean, I think if you're like a good skier at a young age, like you can, you know, you can cross over to super G or downhill quite easily. If you're like, if you have strong fundamentals of skiing, um, it's quite an easy switch over. Um, and you can sort of, you know, figure out the line and everything. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to say, I think. Um, but yeah, I think like when you don't have the resources, it's better to just focus on, on sort of what you can with what you have. And is it more of a difficult aspect then if you want to get into say downhill or the super G going back to that resources thing that it's not something you can really do in Australia that when you all of a sudden give that a crack for the first time, that there's much more of a step from a GS up to a, a downhill rather than maybe the other way around going from a downhill to a giant slalom. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's so much to learn like skiing downhill, like the line is super important. Also like, you know, the equipment is quite important. Like you have to have fast skis and, um, you know, like the guys that are skiing on the world cup, like they have, they have a whole team behind them, like making their skis fast and making sure that the best equipment. Um, so I think, yeah, there's making that step is, it's not easy, but it's for sure, for sure possible. It must be a pretty crazy feeling though, that first time you get to go on a downhill and get to some of those speeds and kind of go down a I mean, do you remember sort of that first time you ever got to do a downhill and what that was like? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's pretty loose. Like, I mean, when you're not used to like going those speeds and, um, but you slowly get used to it. Uh, like every run you're doing, you sort of, you know, you get used to the timing and like everything coming at you a bit, a bit faster. And, um, but yeah, definitely the first, first days I've like skied speed. It's, yeah, it's pretty scary. <laughs> what are the, the best ones to do in terms of just pure speed, adrenaline? Like, is there a certain course that any downhill skier, even no matter how attuned they are to skiing around the world, still gives a bit of fear into the bones? Um, yeah, I mean, Kitzbühel is like the most famous downhill of the year. It's like the, the gnarliest track. Um, I mean, if you see it on TV, you you yeah, it's so loose and um like it's so different than being like uh, like on the track you know like if you slid down that thing it's so so much crazier than it looks on tv and even on tv it looks crazy um but yeah that's there's a lot of hype around that race and there's always like crazy and, and number of spectators and yeah that's have you, it's a pretty have cool you done event. It? have you done it no, I, I haven't, but uh, yeah, maybe one day. Maybe one day. There you go. Kind of tick it off the uh, the bucket list. I mean, do you, do you kind of look at sort of events like that and and have like a, a bucket list, you know, kind of as you're progressing through the ranks that were well, you mentioning, say, the X Games and then, you know, the Olympics and then kind of doing, you know, certain World Cup events. Is that kind of something that you go through the motions as you progress up the ladder? Um, yeah, I guess so. Like, I guess you usually you start at like a Europa Cup level and then you want to, you want to start on the world cup and, you know, sort of follow the world cup circuit. Um, yeah. So that's like sort of the ultimate goal is being, being on that world cup circuit and being a competitor, not just, uh, you know, you're not just doing it to do it. It's, 
you know, being, being that to compete. In terms of when you decide this is what I want to do, I want to pursue this as my sport, my career, at what point then are you sort of switching focus to, okay, I've got to chase the snow, you know, Northern Hemisphere winters and obviously trying to come back to Australia where you can, no doubt, go to Mount Hotham, places like that. And, and kind of at, at what point when you're progressing through this, is this all of a sudden realisation that I can, going on what you're saying, kind of going through these and kind of making this what I want to keep pushing towards and achieving? Um, like when, when do you realize that, realize yeah, you have yeah. to do that? Kind of like at what point sort of when you're going through those and really chasing it, is that kind of what you're, you're realizing? Um, yeah, I guess, well, like you see the guys that are living in Europe and they have, you know, they're over here. Um, yeah, they live here. So they, they can do that, you know? But um, you sort of, yeah, I mean, pretty early on you have to you think like um, you have to start doing that pretty early on, um, chasing winters and um, yeah, I guess, yeah, chasing chasing winters and sort of like being on snow as much as those guys. So um, you can sort of be on a similar playing field. And I guess growing up in that environment, for most Australians, we, we don't see snow. It's sort of not a, a common thing. But as you was kind of saying, it's something that you were a little bit used to. So does that make it not as hard then when basically you're spending pretty much the majority of your year constantly surrounded by snow and not doing the standard Australian sand and surf all the time? Yeah. I mean, people like sort of think that it is you get used to it, but no, nah, for sure I miss home and you know, I don't see my family and friends for eight months of the year. So it's, it's, it's not, not so much the weather or the place. It's, yeah, it's more like the people that you're, you're away for, from for so long. I think that's like why also we don't have so many like winter athletes. Cause it's, you know, it's pretty difficult. Um, you know, you got to commit to a, a program away from home for a long period of time. And, um, yeah. How is that focus when you're going through those ranks for Alpine from the Australian perspective? Because obviously we've seen great success in snowboarding and freestyle skiing kind of is obviously where ultimately our medals have come from. We've seen a bit in short track and, of course, Zali's bronze back in, in Nagano, our only Alpine success. But yeah, is that is that support kind of there still for sort of the Alpine skis or is it kind of not as much as it is for the, the freestylers and the snowboarders? <laughs> Yeah, not really. I mean, so like alpine skiing is, you know, it's just it's just a bigger sport than the others. Um, I think like even if you add all the freestyle disciplines up, like you know, slope style, um, ski cross, um, you know, moguls, like if you add the amount of people that are competing in that, and then you times it by two, you still don't have the number of competitors that are competing in alpine skiing. You know, it's just, it's a different game. Um, and yeah, I think that, you know, the support isn't there because yeah, we haven't had that much success. Um, so, you know, they see, they see like Mogulus, um, getting strong results every year and aerialists and um, the snowboarders. So it's, it's an easier thing to back, you know? Um, but nah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Alpine skiing is, isn't, hasn't been supported for yeah a long, long time. 
like since probably John O'Brien, Craig Branch. It's um, it's fascinating to think that though because you know it's it's the progression of winter sport in Australia and kind of what we focus now going into an Olympics and kind of this expectation that we're going to walk away with medals. I mean, you were I think two when Zali won her bronze back in, in Nagano, but that was still such a an achievement for Australia to walk away with a with a medal, let alone kind of in, in alpine skiing. And I, I guarantee it's one of these ones that if you had a trivia of name the winter sports that Australians have won medals in, I guarantee you'd probably get them all and people would struggle to even realise that Australia have medaled in alpine skiing, which, I mean, as you were yeah. saying, the, the amount of people, I mean, this is the blue ribbon event of the Olympics. This is what everybody, this is like the 100-metre sprint of the summer games. It's like the downhill for, for the winter. Like, this is pretty much the main event, which is strange to think that Australia just sort of hasn't found that way after what happened with Zali and kind of we've switched focus to different models of skiing. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, as well, like, you know, like winter sports in general doesn't have so much, like, so much funding to support each um, sport, you know. So they got to, I think they have to like narrow it down to what is going to get medals at the Olympics. And um, but yeah, I think like you look at Zali and it's, you know, it's for sure possible um, to create some sort of pathway program. Um, I mean, like the Moguls guys have like a pretty legit pathway program and development team and just like an elite training center on home soil same with like snowboard and free ski guys like that looks like um a good development program and like a good training facility in australia um so it's i think it's like yeah it's for sure possible but i think you have to have some belief to yeah support those programs to, to put it into context, the interesting thing here, you're mentioning about the amount of competitors you've got in, in Alpine. The 100 metres in Tokyo, there were 83 men in the men's 100-metre sprint that competed in that. There are 110 competitors in the giant slalom at Pyeongchang. So, like, I mean, that's yeah. what, nearly, you know, 30-odd extra competitors in, in an event, which, again, that's one of those random little trivia facts you'd probably think that if you gave to the average person on the street – what sports got more competitors in it, the giant slalom at the winter or the 100 metres in the in the summer, you're going to go with 100, isn't it? So it's very well attended uh, by sort of athletes and yeah. ultimately too, Australians have got, uh, looking here, people from Eritrea, you know, Lebanon, people that you're not even thinking you're probably yeah. having skiing nations, right? It's, it's crazy. Yeah, that's pretty funny, huh? Yeah, it's fascinating. And, and how is that then when you are competing in a sport like this where I guess Australia is seen as you know, not a powerhouse in alpine skiing by any stretch of the imaginations, but you do kind of have that weird diversity of nations in some way that you do have someone from Eritrea, you know, South Africa, places like that where you're not thinking of skiing. Like, do you kind of bond with some of these athletes a little bit more? Like, hey, you're also from a country where, you know, maybe we're not kind of seen as a snow country. Like, let's hang out a little bit, grab a beer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, snow, the snow, like, community is pretty small and not like alpine skiing you sort of know everyone so um yeah i mean everyone gets along pretty well and yeah it is cool to see like some smaller nations doing well like um like on the woman's side alice robinson who's a new zealand skier i mean she's like yeah she's a legit competitor on the world cup and um you know it's cool to see someone from 
bit of like an outcast. Um, so yeah, no, kind it's, that- it's super cool to see that. Yeah, I mean, what the the first ever winter medal from a Southern Hemisphere nation was New Zealand, so that they got that, of course, back in uh, in Alberville. So they beat us slightly there, Harry. Yeah. I think we've kind of <laughs> caught up. It took them another what twenty six years before they won some more bloody medals. So like you know, we <laughs> we kind of got a nice lead in that. I always love finding out from guests on the show who've been to the Youth Olympics, kind of about that experience. You went there in two thousand and twelve. What was that whole experience like going to a a Youth Olympic Games, and does that sort of give you a bit of a preparation for what would follow six years later when you do go to Pyeongchang? Um, yeah, I think so. I think it's like a good stepping stone towards like the next, uh, like the big, the big games, um, sort of see what it's all about. And, um, yeah, it's cool. I mean, my experience there, I was like, cause I was skiing pretty much every discipline and ski cross. So I was, super busy training and racing every day. Um, yeah, it was cool. I mean, you sort of like get a feel of what the Olympics is about and, you know, you meet heaps of people and, um, yeah, it's just like it's a good vibe and good couple of weeks. And the first ever uh, Winter Youth Olympics as well, of course, in 2012. So I guess being part of uh, history, you can always sort of say that you were part of that very first Australian uh, Youth Winter Olympic team. <laughs> yeah, for sure kind of goes that way sort of after that experience was the goal then to try out for for sochi and if so sort of how close did you get to making the 2014 olympics um sochi i i feel like i was still pretty young like i was only 18 um and i was yeah i was still in school and i was sort of like um yeah i i thought about it but i was thinking yeah maybe not these ones um i'll sort of like see what happens in the season but um yeah i was more yeah focused on yeah finishing school and um sort of my my own skiing at the time kind of pushing through that way and and how how difficult is it to explain to teachers about that you're going off skiing, particularly in, in Australia, not not a common sport that I'm sure a lot of students are turning around and saying, I mean, I know, I think you went and studied in the States for a little bit, but I can imagine that when you're in Australia studying, that that's an interesting one to go to a teacher. Like, I might be away for a couple of months just going off skiing for a while. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm at uni at the moment and that's pretty difficult. Um, yeah. Explaining what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> and like, I mean, I, I remember last year I, I came to Europe in August when like COVID was popping off. Um, and I was like sort of talking to my lecturers saying, yeah, I'm actually in Switzerland at the moment. Um, and yeah, they were like, they were pretty baffled. <laughs> um, <laughs> Can you play the Olympian card though? Can you just be like, well, I am an Olympian. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to change their minds a little bit. Like, I'm sure that they're like, oh, yeah, you're off in Switzerland skiing. I'm sure you're right. Like, well, no, no, no. Like, Google me. Here I am on the AOC website. I'm an Olympian. <laughs> right. Come on. Like, this is me. <laughs> yeah. Definitely does help a little bit. Yeah. Play with that card. But you sort of, you mentioned before about it wasn't necessarily a goal for the Olympics, but at what point? did it kind of click to you that an Olympics is a possibility? Um, yeah, I guess like probably when was it like, yeah, just before the games, like, I don't know, maybe 2016, I started to like, I started to skate pretty well. And, um, 
and then the year, like the qualifying year, um, like that's sort of the 2017, 2018 season. Um, yeah, I started to ski super fast and I like had no, not much expectations, but, um, you know, I was, I had the qualify, the qualification was pretty tough. Um, and the results that I needed, I'd never had before, but, um, I felt like um going into that season it was possible um and i sort of yeah i was i just sort of said to myself like um let's have fun and no expectations and let's see what happens um and yeah it turned out to be a really good season and um yeah ended up getting there in the end ended up happening which do you remember that moment when you officially knew that you had that ticket punched and you were yeah well it was a bit of a roller coaster because, um, so I initially like I had the best results from that, that 20, 2017, 2018 season. And, um, yeah, like the other guy, Dom that I competed against, like we raced a lot against each other that season and I was pretty fast comparatively to him and, um, he ended up getting picked before me because he had, uh, he had a good result from the season previous. Um, so initially we only had one spot to go and then, um, yeah, I thought I didn't make it, but then we ended up, we ended up getting a second spot and yeah. Kind of get the second nod, which I mean, it must be a, a pretty special feeling. And I always like to kind of find out, you know, do you consider yourself an Olympian that moment you know you're going, when you get the uniform, when when you're there in Korea, like kind of at what point do you think to yourself, okay, I'm an Olympian now. This is, you can never take this away from me. Um, yeah, I guess like when I sort of like kicked into the Stargate and um, yeah, I was there because like I was always like, because we had about a week or week and a half before we knew that we were going um and i was sort of like yeah um you know i mean it plays on your mind a bit like don't get hurt don't get injured before you head off and um yeah which is it's fascinating i always love hearing this from our winter athletes because it's just it's that such fine line that you're selected or can be selected that close you know, we've had summer athletes who've known a year before the games are on that they're going to the Olympics. You're like weeks out, which is just crazy because you've got to mm. get from that moment of I'm going to it's a competition. You've still got to go there to compete. You can't just let it take over, right? So it's just it must be mentally a very interesting experience. Yeah, for sure. I think as well, like because I was injured last year and I didn't really have much of a season, so um, I couldn't really showcase what, you know, I thought I was capable of. Um, so yeah, it's, it's sort of like an intense couple months or like two or three months when the qualification period starts and, um, yeah, a bit of, you're sort of on a time clock and yeah, I mean, I think the best way to go about it is just sort of like enjoying, enjoying the time over here and realize how lucky you are to be in Europe, especially at the moment. Um, and just, yeah, sort of seeing what happens, I guess. Do you take any moments during 2018 to soak up the little things about being in an Olympics, you know, village life, 
pin trading, bumping into these, you know, great athletes from around the world, <laughs> ceremonies. Like, do you are you doing any of that or are you so focused on competition that you didn't sort of take any of that in? No, I was pretty, like, I mean, I was, I was, I, it was hard because I had a crash before I flew out for the games. Um, and, yeah, I had, like, a, sort of a bone bruise on my spine. So, I didn't. I think I was there for two and a half weeks, and I only skied a few days, um, which was pretty tough. But um, yeah, like it was more after my event. Um, yeah, we got to see South Korea a little bit and meet some of the other athletes, and yeah, it was pretty fun. Like I think I had like four days after my event. Right. And. Um, yeah, just had heaps of fun and met heaps of people and, yeah, it was good. Which, obviously, during that period, you could leave the village. You could go see other events. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, kind of not like yeah, where we're living right now. So do you take your time, like, maybe go watch some hockey or kind of, you know, some curling or, like, something like that? As an Australian, we don't really get to see something like that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, after the after my event, I sort of went and watched as many events as I could and, um yeah, I think we went and saw the cross country, the track, tracks, track skating, ice hockey. Yeah, like sort of just there was me and a few other, uh, I think a few of the other mogul mogul guys. Um, they were pretty keen to like, yeah, see everything and um, yeah, we we're pretty pretty much on the same wavelength. We just wanted to have fun after the events and right. meet heaps of people and sort of see as much as we could. So, yeah, it was fun. You mentioned the injury. Now, um, I believe you weren't even able to compete in the Super G basically because of, of the injury. Kind of what sort of happened and, and, like, sort of you mentioned sort of what it was and kind of that sort of stuff. But, I mean, how much were you pushing yourself or, like, listening to the doctors but kind of wanting to, like, well, I just, like, I'm at the Olympics. I want to be able to compete. Like, kind of, like, how was all that process before you were able to even get to your competition? Um, yeah, I mean, it was super tough, like, we, yeah, it was just physio and rehab every single day, um, especially like before the Super G. And then um, a couple of days before the Super G, we I tried to ski and it was it was too bad. And then um, I sort of thought like, yeah, it doesn't matter how bad it is, I'm going to race. Um, but then, yeah, it ended up being the doctor's decision saying, you know, it's, I mean, why, why even start if it, you can't even ski the way you want to, you know. Um, and it was, yeah, sort of a group decision to to skip the Super G and, you know, get as good as possible for, for my event. Um, Which, how hard is that when a doctor says, like, this is a doctor's decision? Like, can you not somehow just be like, well, of course I want to ski how I do, but this could be my only Olympics. Like, I, I, I need to do this. Yeah, um, I sort of like. I, I mean, I sort of agreed. I, I was. I mean, I was there to do the GS. Um, the Super G was sort of just. Yeah, it was. It was a, sort of a bonus. I hadn't. I hadn't trained much Super G that year or raced it, so I was sort of. Yeah, I sort of agreed with them. Like I was there to do the GS, and um, you know, I want to do as well as possible. Um, so. Yeah, I mean it's tough and uh, tough in the situation, but 
um, you sort of accept it. And yeah, looking back, it was, it was for sure the best decision. So when it comes to the GS, what happened there? Um, yeah, I mean, I was feeling pretty good and my back actually felt like way better than it had been. Um, and, and then, um, yeah, I was skiing not too bad and I, yeah, I was feeling pretty good. And then, um, there was last like three gates. There was a bit of a terrain change and a bit of a direction change of the course. And, um, yeah, I just didn't react fast enough and then, yeah, pretty much, yeah crashed in the finish um yeah a few a few of the top guys did that so i wasn't i mean i wasn't too bummed um it was sort of like a, a bit of a tricky section but um yeah i mean in the end i tried my best and yeah do, do you still get obviously you want to finish you want to do your best but i mean the fact that you were able to line up after the disappointment of not being able to go into the super g does it does that do you take away now like maybe after a few years of reflection to think well at least i got there i was able to start and ultimately didn't turn out how i wanted to but i still was able to get to that point where i maybe didn't think i was going to be able to get to that point yeah for sure i mean um i guess looking back now i was pretty proud of what i did and um you know, I did everything in my power to be there. Um, so, yeah, I guess looking back, as it, it was pretty cool that I was there to be, to start. Um, yeah. Is it something that we've heard a lot from, say, some of our summer Olympians, you know, medalists or not, that they obviously come back and go to schools and, and talk their experiences and things like that. How does that work for somebody from the Winter Games? I mean, do you end up going to schools closer to say Mount Hotham, Mount Bull, a place like this where maybe you can talk to these kids a little bit more with the accessibility to, to skiing or are you still going around to places to try and I guess recruit some kids to get into Alpine so we can push this sport a little bit further than, than it should. Well, that's at right now, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, not really. I mean, it was sort of, it was sort of hard cause um, I, so after the games, I went back over to Europe because I my my season wasn't done yet. Um, uh, I still <clears throat> I still had competitions um, to do, and yeah, most of the other guys they all went back home, and they there was sort of a list of like school appearances and whatnot. Um, but no, I never never really had the opportunity or time to do that. But um, yeah, I mean, in the future, I definitely definitely would be keen to. Um, Cause I think like, I mean, for me growing up, I always had like older athletes to look up to and to, to get inspired by. And yeah, I think it's super important. Which is it a sport where you can poach people? Like, can you poach people from freestyle skiing? Like they, they seem to steal all the gymnasts when it comes to aerials. Like, well, that's why we've got no good gymnasts. Uh, well, I said we've got good <laughs> gymnasts, but as in we've got no gymnasts who are winning medals, right? Because they just steal them to do fucking aerial skiing. Like, can you steal some of these freestyle skiers and, and bring them into Alpine? To like, hey, come over to the, the real skiing. Come on. <laughs> um, nah, I mean, most, most races, like, would go the other way like racing to free ski because um i think you have better fundamentals of like learning to actually ski you know um 
So I don't know. I think Alpine's a tricky one to like really recruit others from other sports, but um, yeah, you never know until you try. You I guess know. you never know. Well, the <laughs> one actually too. We've had a lot of ski jumpers on recently, Harry, and a couple of them have mentioned how they sort of used to do Alpine and then kind of they went into a bit of ski jumping because of, you know, the, the jumps and the, the downhill and things like that. So on yeah. the flip side there, if you ever think of changing, Australia's never, ever had an Olympic ski jumper. So you could think about that, you know, go to Beijing, kick ass there on the Alpine, but come Milan, like create history as Australia's <laughs> first ever ski jumper. So there's an idea for yeah. you to think about moving forward. I don't know. I, I sort of look at those ski jumpers and they're like tiny guys. Like they're pretty, <laughs> I mean, they're tiny. Um, I think I'm maybe too heavy for ski jumping, but <laughs> well, yeah, we'll hey, see. <laughs> you, 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 you never know. So at the time of recording this, sort of mentioning a little bit off air that the World Cup season started, the plan is to to try and get to, to Beijing to your second Olympic. Sort of what's, what's the process now? What do you need to do? And, how are you feeling as you push towards a second Olympics? Um, yeah, so I'm in Europe at the moment and the process is pretty much just whoever is um, the best Australian guy who's um, competing the best, you know, on the Europa Cup and the World Cup. And, um, yeah, I feel pretty good about it. Um I had a pretty good preseason last year. Like my summer, summer ski season was really good and I was feeling really good going into the season. And then unfortunately I got hurt, but I sort of, a lot of my teammates that year, they had quite good seasons. So at least it was somewhat of a good comparison, you know? Um, but no, like I feel good about this year. Um, yeah. I, I, like, as I said, I'm not really expecting heaps, um, you know, I've worked super hard and I sort of um, skiing feels good at the moment. So I'm just sort of trying to have fun and um, sort of see what happens, but not put too much pressure on myself. Is it a sport in which, say, it doesn't go to plan and Beijing doesn't happen that, you know, as you keep going towards Milan, you'll sort of be approaching 30, but is that sort of still a, a peak age? Like, is that sort of something that you can still go, okay, well, Beijing maybe happened, but I've got four more years now to kind of get myself back into that form that got me to Pyeongchang, basically. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, the, most of the top guys are around 28, 28 years old, um, 28, 29. So, um, I mean, there's, there's for sure some young guys in there that are like on the podium on the World Cup. Um, but yeah, like mostly they're older guys that are, um, sort of make up the, you know, top 15 or so. Pushing it that way. We're going to get to some get to know you style fun questions, to kind of close this out in just a moment, Harry, two, two quick fire things that I just want to kind of ask you here. First of all, we're big fans on this show of a certain Esther Ledecker. Now, we talked to Greta a lot about Esther and just sort of yeah. her achievements in, uh, you know, winning gold in both snowboarding and, and skiing. I mean, is there an, an enigma around someone like Esther, like kind of, you know, when you see, I don't know sort of how closely the men's and the women's sort of circuits relate there, but I mean, you know, that she can do that. And then back to my thing about ski jumping that, again, side hobby, you could be winning medals <laughs> in ski jumping and, and alpine and, and one-upping Esther here. Like, come on, like, you know, <laughs> think about that. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, 
what she did was yeah nuts i don't reckon there'll be anyone doing that for a long long time or unless she does it again in the next games um but yeah i, I don't know I, I actually there was one skier um he was doing ski cross um and he he's like he was a pretty legit ski cross skier um and also in the summer he was doing bmx or something and he went to the olympics for bmx maybe um but yeah yeah, I mean, yeah, you sort of need to find like two sports that sort of like correlate somewhat. Um, yeah, but it's, yeah, I mean, some of those top athletes are like, yeah, just crazy athletes, so they can quick learners or and um, good correlation of the two, you know. It's always fascinating when you see, mo- yeah, multiple sports and and like to be able to do that. And like as you're saying, like there there are a few sort of summer and winter kind of alt- alternate between it, but it's just it's crazy to think about the dedication that you've got to put. I mean, you're putting enough dedication into one sport to be able to go yeah. like, Oh, I'm going to do this and, and cycle it, you know, alternate between those winter and summer cycles. It's, it's fascinating. Like, is there a summer sport that you would look at thinking like, maybe, Oh yeah, give this a crack Paris 2024. Um, you never know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'd, probably not. Hey, um, I mean, I would love to, yeah, have to a uh, summer sport, but, um yeah not really <laughs> pull, pull back on the footy boots who knows they might put it as an olympic sport by the time brisbane rolls yeah, around 11 years to press the ioc <laughs> yeah. for that maybe who knows the other one i love learning about cowbells how sick of cowbells do you bloody well get because jesus christ they are uh, they either must be incredibly annoying or they must help you out down those hills uh yeah they're pretty intense um those <laughs> austrian new european fans um yeah either cowbells or those corn those horns mm. they're like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> is there an they're australian brutal. equivalent can we do something when it comes to australia like can we get the didgeridoo out or something like that to yeah like kind maybe of- that would that would be sick That'd be kind of cool to kind of go that because I don't know like what our equivalent would be because it's just fascinating why this is a thing. Like what is it about I know, these- it's funny, hey. It's, I, th- I guess they've just been doing it so long that they don't, <laughs> just, know, they don't know anything else. <laughs> used to it. It's like the what, the World Cup winners in South Africa, those Vuvuzelas. It's kind of like, oh, mate, brutal. remember those? Like, God. Yeah couldn't get them out of your head for all like, yeah. god and, and then people would bring like they were like a league for about a couple of years after that i feel like it was just this trend like hey boom yeah. zaylers like for things sure, that deserve yeah. to stay in the past right yeah. never bring back the vuvuzela but no didgeridoos at australian events we'll, we'll try and uh, we'll make it happen now as yeah. i said we like to close out with a series of sort of get to know you style questions now these are based on a questionnaire that team canada gave their athletes ahead of both pyeongchang and rio there's a bit of a drawing element. Again, it's not compulsory. If you feel the need to draw, you there's a you can draw a picture of yourself. There's a draw a place from a hometown, uh, little images here. And I'm telling you now, the guest I've chosen today, Erin uh, Malizinski, uh, she has drawn some pretty good pictures here, maybe the best I've seen. So, um, yeah. Wow. Like she's, like she's drawn an elephant, which legit, Looks like an elephant. It doesn't look like a nice. stick figure or something. So, good <laughs> job there, Aaron. All right, we'll start off with first question. Your favorite ever Olympic moment is um, favorite ever Olympic moment. Um, probably. I mean, this summer watching the Tokyo Games. Um, 
like watching the skateboarding and watching that um, young Australian boy win win one of the medals was pretty sick to watch. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, Esther Ledecker in Pyeongchang, that was just nuts. Um, and like just because she was such a big underdog in the Super G and it was just like, yeah, there was, she was just, you know, no one was thinking she was going to win and I love those stories. Yeah, um, and and the best quote and ever. She, and then she goes and wins the snowboarding is just like yeah. crazy, crazy. Yeah. I still say Lindsay Vonn's quote that I just got beaten by a freaking snowboarder is probably one of the best quotes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> ever heard, ever uttered. So uh, I want that on a t-shirt. Um, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Mm, superpower, probably to fly. Yeah, and then I could. I could fly home for a little bit and then yep. make back here. Works. Like it. Good yeah. one. Your favorite sports movie is? Uh, favorite sports movie? Um, Mighty Ducks. Hey, there we go. Best answer. Now, are, you, are yeah. you a fan of all three or do you just kind of stick to the OG and, and ignore the sequels? Yeah, OG. I think. OG. Yeah, go that yeah. way. Have you seen the TV show on Disney Plus at all? No, I haven't. Didn't know it's, that existed. Yeah, that's sort of in the last 12 or so months. It's called Game Changers. It's okay. Emilio Estevez in it. So, you know, Gordon okay. Bombay returns. So it's um, nice. It's got its moments. Now, they're, they're, often these alternate these questions between uh, different athletes, and there's one here that's not on this question, but I want to ask you this because I've got an answer for this one, which I don't know if, if you maybe you get all the time, but if you if there was to be a movie based on your life, who would play you? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say this because, like, this has been bugging me the whole – not bugging me, but I'm like, Jesus Christ, Zac Efron. Tell me you get nah. Zac Efron. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's seriously, this whole time I'm like, oh, this is this is Zac Efron. Like, this is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> a few, I've been out a few nights before and some someone has said it and I'm like, nah. No. Play it to your advantage, Harry. That's not a bad one to do. Like, come on. You should be like, yes, I am Zac yeah, Efron. I think I, I think I just have some, like, high school musical trauma from Zac Efron. So. <laughs> not quite going that way with it too. The only but, person I ever got yeah. compared to was Carl Sandlands when I was younger, and that's not somebody you want to pretend to be. So, you know, I'd much rather Zac Efron if you can take it. So Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Go for that way. Uh, your funniest... <laughs> Your funniest childhood memory is? Oh, funniest childhood memory. Um, I mean, I, I grew up at Hotham, like, doing ski seasons up there. And, yeah, I remember we, me and our brothers used to do just little shitheads running around doing bad things. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I have really standout memories. Um, yeah, that's a hard one. Was there any of these little shit things that you did that you care to care to share at all? Uh, I think we got we definitely got kicked out of a few restaurants, banned from a few restaurants from fighting and whatnot. But right, like fighting over the the sauce or like the last chip or something, or just I don't know. We were always fighting. <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> Why not? There you go. Uh, your favorite pump up song is. Um, pump up song. Um, 
also a hard one. I feel like I'm, my music taste is always changing. Um, I like like when I'm about to start, I like instrumental music that usually pumps me up. Um, right. Sort of like Hans Zimmer sort of vibe. Nice. That yeah. works. I like that. It's epic. Kind of gets you in the yeah in the zone, which I'm yeah. guessing you don't want the AirPods when you're skiing, right? Though like you can't kind of have that to add to a bit of a track, like a, add your own score to your own event. Yeah, basically. that'd be cool. But you're actually not, you're not allowed to put music when you're, but yeah. Oh, well, we'll get them to change that one day, you know, <laughs> you know. Appeal to the kids. It's all about the ISC is all about the kids getting into the sports, right? You yeah, like, 100%. There, that would work. The most recent TV show that you binge watched is um, binge watched Squid Game. I smashed oh, yeah. through that. Okay, like what were your thoughts? Um, good, loved it. Yep, it's good Which- to see like a international show sort of um, explode like that. Go that um, way, which I love all the Halloween. Like at the time of recording this, Halloween just happened and yeah. all the people dressing as Squid Game, right? Like this has got to be the number one Halloween costume for 2021. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's fascinating to see how that goes. Your least favourite foods are? Um, least favourite foods, probably lasagna. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Never liked it. Just like. The cheesiness is just yeah too hectic. Not a me. fan. Wow, interesting. No. Is it just it's just you're not a fan of cheese, or it's just how cheese is in lasagna. Mm, yeah, I guess like lasagna without all the cheeses. Interesting. Um, I'd be into, but <laughs> so I can't imagine you like Garfield. Then probably not your favorite uh, comic, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, there's not much food I don't like. Like I, I really hate anything. Go for that. Okay. And did you go crazy at the village after you competed? Like kind of was that just a case of like, okay, no more competition. Load load me up with all the village food. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I like I had knackers definitely a few times because um, it was free <laughs> in the village. And before that, I hadn't had it for like four years. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, they have, do they have like an Olympic special? Like is there sort of like an item that they maybe just – for Olympics only, this is the Olympian burger or something like that. Uh, not really. Not, not that I remember. No. See, that's where they need to, like, <laughs> it's like the McRib, right? Like the McRib comes and goes. So they need to have some yeah. sort of, like, exclusive, which it's it's not at the Olympics anymore, Harry. Like, it's not going to be there in Beijing, of course. So it's like it's... Yeah. It's, it's All the Tokyo athletes are sad that they didn't get their Maccas. So, geez, come <laughs> on, McDonald's, bring it back. Uh, if you weren't an athlete, what would you be? Um... Probably, yeah, I would like to surf. Like, yeah, maybe I'd do that. Kind of works that um, way. Do you surf, like, at the very, moment? Do you? Yeah. When you can? I'm not very good, but, um, yeah, I love to surf. That works um, out well. Yeah, that would probably be what I would be doing most of my time. There's your other summer yeah. sport, you know, like surfing. It's an Olympic sport now, so, you know. Yeah. Why not? Let's do it. <laughs> Get that pr- 11 years to Brisbane. Harry, you got time. Like, you know, yeah, like, true. training, <laughs> lots of training. Your um, favourite vacation spot is? Um, vacation spot. Um, that's a hard one. Uh, I went to this mountain in Switzerland a few years ago. It's called Verbia. Um, like, yeah, just crazy place, crazy mountains. Um Lots of good people there and just like a nice vibe. 
Um, right. Yeah, summer spot. I don't know. A lot, like, I went to, like, I traveled a bit around South Australia this year. Um, and that was super nice. I think it's a very underrated place. Um, yeah, also lots of good surfing there. And um, yeah, just beautiful places that no one goes to. So great. Might be the first Victorian yeah. to ever sell South Australia. So, uh, history. Yeah, I don't know why everyone hates on South Australia. It's the sickest place. Yeah, I've been to Adelaide a couple of times. I enjoyed my time there. I didn't, didn't see the hate. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I, I never went to. We didn't go to Adelaide, but we sort of went along the coast. And nice, yeah, works that way. I'm from Tasmania. Everything's better to me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you know, kind of only goes goes up from. Except for, can I just say that? And this is no disrespect to anybody listening from this city, but uh, Wollongong wasn't a fan. Sorry to our Wollong. No, Wollongong. How do you? Was it Wollong? The Gong? Uh, you know, the Gong. Kind of. Yeah, just I don't know. Just wasn't a fan. Maybe I need to go back. I need to sell. Fair enough. There. Yeah. Uh, what do people usually describe you as? Um, I guess it depends. I mean, I feel like um pretty introverted, like to people I don't know. But then I don't know. You would hear something different from my close friends than you know someone doesn't really know me. Kind of getting kicked out of restaurants to me, uh, you know. Kind of that gives a bit of an insight <laughs> into the personality. Yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> it's, in, um, it's within you, Harry. Right? Like you know, yeah. it's kind of like it's, it's still there. I can do it. <laughs> yeah. Kind of uh, pushing that way. Uh, I mean, we sort of touched on this a few times, really. If you could be an Olympian in any other sport other than your own, what would it be? Um. Yeah. I mean, I would probably like freestyle skiing would be cool. Um, but yeah, I would probably surf. So yeah, yeah that that would be pretty it's nice. Ta- Tahiti, isn't it for for Paris? Like obviously, uh, you're not going to find many surfing beaches in downtown Paris, so they've kind of shipped it off. True, to I thought that I, I didn't know that where they would do it. Um, but they have good waves, like on the French coast. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. pretty far from Paris, though. Yeah, I'm trying to. I, I don't know if they've announced which beach they're going to have the uh, surfing in Brisbane. Because I mean, I guess it's surfing's technically one of those sports which can kind of come and go, so it might not even be part of the program. But I mean, it's not like they're yeah, true. You know, got a few different choices there in sort of Brisbane and the Gold Coast. I think they're going to be okay. So yeah, <laughs> should they decide to uh, sure. to go with it? <laughs> uh, last question for you, Harry. What is your guilty pleasure? Um, guilty pleasure, like. In like a food sense or? I think this is just anything. I mean, Erin's uh, answered here, tea and mystery novels. So. Wow. <laughs> it's very specific. Uh, <laughs> she's answered there. Yeah. Uh, is that a guilty pleasure? Like I, I don't. Maybe she's maybe she's been shamed from her family. Like you drink coffee and you read nonfiction books. Oh, no, I'm going to do yeah. my tea and my mystery <laughs> novels. <laughs> um, guilty pleasure. Um. Yeah, I don't know. You're that's... an Essendon supporter, so that's one. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I, like I wouldn't say. I mean, I don't even really have like a sweet tooth, really. So I can't really say like that's a guilty pleasure. Um. Yeah. 
It's a tough one. Like, it's kind of one of those ones that <laughs> I feel that's like, you, sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, straight away. Like, you know, I mean, clearly tea and mystery novels for some, but uh, yeah, you know, it's sort of. Maybe goes, like napping or sleeping is my guilty pleasure. Like, I'm always sleeping or I'm always napping. That's a. Which is, I don't is know that a thing? That's guilty, but. Are you, are you the type of person that, like, oh, I've got half an hour. I can, you can just go like that, sleep, get up, and you're fine? Or yeah. is it more of a yeah, process? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Wow. Teach me your ways, Harry. I've never been able to do that. That must be amazing. Like, yeah, half an hour, I'm yeah. just going to sleep. <laughs> I also feel like, uh, I mean, like when I'm, when I'm, when it's the off season and I'm training, like, you know, I'm training like, you know, a couple of hours in the morning, couple of, a couple of hours in the afternoon, I'm just like constantly tired. So <laughs> I feel like I could just shut my eyes for three seconds and I'm already asleep. <laughs> wow. See, there's your superpower. Yeah. That's, that's, that's your superpower. Yeah, really. true that. Like, sleeping whenever you can harry before we let you go if people want to follow your journey keep up to date with what you're up to and the and the road to to beijing and beyond social media where can people uh check you out um yeah pretty much just on instagram harry j laidlaw um and yeah that's that's about it no tiktok i always like to ask this question are you on tiktok no i don't have tiktok um I feel like I already spend enough time on my phone and I need to stop. <laughs> so I think TikTok would Yeah, just blow just, my screen time up. Don't don't get it. I use the joke all the time of that's a Kesha song, right? But it's also those biscuits, right, that we have in Australia, those little TikToky icing biscuit things. Yeah, they're like TikToks. True. They're good. Those I are. Don't know. Yeah, those yeah. Since I was a kid. Yeah. 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 You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Harry, yeah. uh, it's uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you today, learn about your career and everything else along the lines. Fingers crossed for for Beijing that we'll be cheering you on there. Cowbells in hand, although, as I said, we'll start off the, uh, the didgeridoo chants and everything for Australian alpine skiing and we'll get, get more people yeah. involved. We need to get more alpine skiers. But uh, we really appreciate your time on the show, Harry, and uh, good luck. Fingers yeah. crossed with everything. Cheers. Thanks, heaps. Thanks for having me. And a massive, massive thanks to Harry for his time. Insightful, entertaining, everything that you, of course, want from an interview. As always, a bit of a disclaimer that, of course, as you heard with a few references in there, this interview was recorded several months ago. So by the time you're listening to this, we, of course, know if Harry is no doubt in Beijing or not. So just to put that into context right now for those listening to this. And, of course, as well, if you're listening to this and you've enjoyed it and you want to see Harry's face, I mentioned he looks like Zac Efron hit us up on our YouTube channel. You can see exactly if my comparison is a good call or a bad call. Search for Off The Podium, find the video on there and all our other great interviews that we've done recently. You'll be able to watch them all in the video format. Hit the subscribe button and never miss a video episode there on YouTube and hit a subscribe button on all our good podcast channels as well so you never miss one of these episodes dropping straight to your speakers. And we've got plenty more great episodes, episodes every single day between now and the closing ceremony of the Beijing Olympics. It's busy. We like it. You're going to be entertained. We're giving you so much Olympic content that you are going to be simply bursting at the seams and we know you are going to enjoy it so please enjoy every single second of it hit us up on social media as well follow us on there search for off the podium instagram twitter facebook that's how you can stay up to date with everything that we're putting out there and as always we love to hear from you, you got a message for us you want to say good day you want to send us a request for a guest 
We're always open to hear who you would like to have on the show, so shoot us a message. We read everything we get, and we appreciate any feedback that you have along the way. Big thanks again to Harry for his time. Big thanks again to you for listening. Special shout-out to Jason Momoa. And until we next speak again, my name is Ben. This is Off The Podium, and as always, go left. What an episode. You loved every single second of it. It's been, again, just quickly reminding you once again, if you want to help us win a Sports Podcast Award, sportspodcastawards.com, register to vote, click on Best Olympic and Paralympic Podcast section, listen to the other nominees, and then go, hey, Off the Podium's awesome. They're so good. They put in so much work and so much effort, and we just love them, and they deserve to go on the podium for once. Ben's awesome. Jared's awesome. Colin's okay, but he's also kind of awesome. We'd really appreciate it. And particularly if you've actually listened to the rest of this and ended up here, because generally I assume you've well and truly tuned out by now. But seriously, if you're at this point of the podcast, then you're a true listener. And that means that you're a true fan and you should vote for us. Sportspodcastawards.com. Do it now. We will thank you forever. Literally ever. Like every episode moving forward, we will thank you forever. Sportspodcastawards.com. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll speak to you next time on Off the Podium. I'm I'm really going to go now. Bye.